Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Welcome to the Basics Podcast, your sports daily NFL podcast. I'm Will Brinson. I'm your host. It is Tuesday, May the 10th. If you are listening to the podcast in audio form, Monday, May 9th, if you are watching on video, YouTube, youtube.com slash pick six. Joining me to do a, I guess we'll call this a show we have to do because this podcast is daily. And there's not a ton going on in the NFL, but just enough to, to fill the content. John Breach, what's up, buddy? And Brinson, you want to do a show because you wanted to hang out with me for 30 minutes. <laughs> yeah, like yeah, 30 minutes. This may be a 30-minute show. Um, we will get to some week, some scheduling stuff. We also talk about various interest in free agents out there. But we start with Pete Carroll discussing the quarterback's the quarterback situation in Seattle. He said that the team does not expect to make a trade for a quarterback. Didn't think Malik Willis was NFL. And this is on sports radio. KJR love KJR. Didn't think Malik Willis was NFL ready and says that drew lock would have been the first quarterback taken in the 2022 NFL draft. But drew lock is currently behind Geno Smith on the Seahawks depth chart. So let's, um, let's, let's play, uh, not truth or dare, truth or lie, true or false. I don't know. What do you want to call it? Uh, false or truth. Okay. False. Well, I don't know what game we're playing, so how can I name it? We're gonna I can name it. it after the fact. All right. Buy or sell. How about that? That's easy enough. Okay. How about buy or rent? How about just buy or sell? A lot of people rent now. Yeah, but it's the same thing as buying. Not renting and buying are different, Brenton. Yeah, but you're not okay. <laughs> um, buy or sell, the Seahawks will not make another trade for a quarterback prior, assuming no injury, prior to the season starting. Uh, I buy that. I buy that. But you know what? This is look. Pete Carroll has been like Mister Semantics all off season. He was asked at the combine, if they were going to trade Russell Wilson. Well, that's not our intention. That's not, no, that's, that's not our intention. This one, he said no, but it felt, feels like the opening was, but you know what? We might go sign someone as a free agent. You didn't ask me that. You just said, are we going to trade for someone? And I'm telling you no. So maybe Baker Mayfield gets cut or maybe uh, Jimmy Garoppolo gets cut because both are possible. And then the Seahawks are like, okay, well, they're right there, and we could upgrade a quarterback, and we can sign them at our price. We don't have to pay uh, $25 million like we would if we trade for Jimmy or, or $18 million if we did if we traded for Baker Mayfield. Uh, so I do not think they will trade for a quarterback, but I could absolutely sing them sign someone if, if one of those guys becomes available. I think that's a great call, that they are interested in those guys. I also thought it was interesting how Baker Mayfield went on that podcast 
whatever you know, where he's on the couch with the, his dogs like passed it dog out <laughs> and he was like he was asked like all right so where, where do you think you're gonna go he's like well i would have said indy but i mean like, now it's obviously just going to be seattle and then the very next day the seahawks re-signed geno smith sort of as a hey l- a s- settle down baker yeah like and I mean, also a stupid thing to say from baker like you don't need to be like i this is I mean, the only pathetic losers without a quarterback who need me are Seattle, you know? Like, <laughs> um, I, I don't think they'll trade for Baker, and I don't think they'll trade for Jimmy G. I think you're right. I think those price tags are too exorbitant. And additionally, I'm just not sure the 49ers and the Seahawks are going to execute some trade that provides the Seahawks an upgrade, a potential upgrade at quarterback prior to the 2022 season because the 49ers consider themselves a playoff contender. And we'll have to play the Seahawks twice. Now, if they end up having to cut Jimmy G for salary cap reasons and they have less than a million dollars in salary cap space and Jimmy G would free up $25.55 million in salary cap space, if that were to happen, then I do think that it is possible the Seahawks could sign him. But, and maybe Jimmy wants revenge on San Francisco. I don't know. I mean, it feels like Seattle or Carolina would be the most likely landing spots for those situations. But yeah, I think... That's the semantics that Pete Carroll's playing with. Yes, we could sign another quarterback, but no, we are not going to go out and and actively try to get one. Worth noting, in 2012, that the Seahawks made the playoff. Oh, did they, did they make the playoffs? Did they yes. lose? What's that? They made it. No, in 2011, they missed the playoffs, right? 2012, they made it in Russell Wilson's rookie year. They definitely made it in 2010. 2011, the was one of those. 2010 was the beast year. That's right. That's right. That's right. Sorry. 2011, they went 7-9 and missed it. 2010, they went 7-9 and made the playoffs with Tavares Jackson as their starting quarterback, I think, for the full season. Yeah. 2010 season was beast quake when they beat the Saints. Oh, no. They had hassle back then. And then 2011, they did not make the playoffs. But they went 7-9 in both years. Yes. Um, I sort of wonder if Pete Carroll doesn't look at this Geno Smith, Drew Locke amalgamation and think that could be my Charlie Whitehurst slash Tavares Jackson. Uh, I won't lump Matt House back in that group, even though I think he was probably pretty old at the time of his. He was 35 at the time. So we're not talking about like peak era Matt Hasselbeck. He had 12 touchdowns in 14 games. Uh, but I think I, I, I think that w- that's what Pete Carroll is going for. He and John Schneider think that they can kind of cobble together a above-average defense that people aren't expecting to see, that they can coach up this team, and they can have this just muddle games into ugly affairs and find a way to win somewhere between seven and ten games and maybe backdoor the playoffs. Yeah, I think pretty less than likely, but like that's the only that's the only thing I can come up with as to why that might be like what the Seahawks might be trying to do this offseason. Well, this is like Pete Carroll's fantasy. You know, we we heard the whole time the last two years about let Russ cook, let him in the kitchen, run the offense through him. Pete Carroll doesn't want a quarterback in the kitchen. Pete Carroll wants defensive players and a running back in the kitchen. The quarterback is just like out in the family room lounging around. He doesn't have to do anything. And so I think Pete Carroll's thinking, let's get back to Pete Carroll football and let's Pete, have he wants, he wants the he wants the quarterback bussing the food to right, the right. table from the kitchen. Like Don't he is more food. than happy. He's more than happy having a game manager. And so he's yeah. thinking, hey, look, Drew Locke, Geno Smith, one of those two guys can be a game manager in my system. I don't need a superstar. Uh, we're going to run the ball, and we're going to play defense. That's how I win. 
I, I think I agree. I think that's where they're at. Now, I don't think it's going to work this year, but weirder things have happened. I mean, they're, they're clearly the fourth best team in the division. Yes. Like, yeah. Well, I mean, it'll be interesting. Like if Trey Lance ends up being the 49ers starter, how much does that drop them? Cause we know how good Trey Lance is going to be. And then you have the 49ers and Seahawks duking it out. I feel like the 49ers still have a better roster, but then that division goes from easily the best in the NFL last year to, uh, you know, not even top three. If it's you have Trey Lance. Murray refuses to play because he's not signed. Right. So like, like all of a sudden it's like, this is a bottom five division. <laughs> all of a sudden the Rams get a bye to the playoffs. Yeah. Uh, okay. Jimmy Garoppolo rumors. You mentioned him. Cody Benjamin wrote about this a couple hours ago on Monday. Headline is Jimmy Garoppolo trade rumors, colon. 49ers aiming to deal quarterback just before 2022 training camp per report. That is according to ESPN and Nick Wagoner, who writes that the 49ers are, and, and I, I mentioned this a few minutes ago without having read this article uh, on uh, 999 The Fan with my pal Adam Gold. I think you've been on 999, right, with Gold? I know Wilson has. Yes, I have been on with Gold. We actually talked about, he had JLC on last week to talk about his quarterback tiers. Um and he asked me about that, but uh, I think, um, I think the Niners are definitely going to slow play this Garoppolo thing, and see if there's an injury in the off season that they're not going to trade him to Seattle. It just doesn't work. That doesn't work. But then you got to play Jimmy twice a year, and if you miss the playoffs because Jimmy G beat you up, you you feel like an idiot. So I, I think they're gonna, I think they're gonna try and push it, the decision as far as possible. And then get hope they, you know, you're not rooting for anybody to get hurt, but you know, I mean, who knows what could happen? There's a, a number of things, whether it's retirement, trade, um, injury, suspension, any of those things could happen that could create a major need for another team at the quarterback position. And they might be willing to trade for Jimmy G. And if that's the case, you you can get something back for him. Or worst case is you can't trade him at all. And you either one cut him and get $25 million in cap space, or two. You just give him, say, all right, look, man, you're going to compete with Trey Lance again this year. Yeah. This is just an interesting situation because it's a little different than the Baker Mayfield one because uh, I think that most people would agree that Sean Watson is an upgrade over Baker Mayfield, but we don't know that Trey Lance is an upgrade over Jimmy Garoppolo. And also the 49ers, there's no risk in holding on to him. They can cut him the day before the season start. And like you said, save $25 million. The Browns, have to pay Baker Mayfield $18 million unless they trade him away. That is not the case with Jimmy Garoppolo. His salary goes off the books if they release him or trade him. So the only way they have to pay him is if they keep him on the roster. And the thing is, if you let him go to training camp, I, I feel like you have to give him some first-team reps. You can't just give the job to Trey Lance. It has to be a QB competition because then you just look dumb if you're keeping Jimmy Garoppolo on the roster who just led you to an NFC title game, and then you're just putting him on the bench and not letting him do anything. Um, and if you give him first-team reps, then you're taking away reps from Trey Lance, who probably needs them more. And so it becomes this whole dynamic, this whole conundrum that the 49ers have put themselves in. So I think the smart thing would be to get rid of him before training camp starts. But like you said, Brent, if there's no trade partners, and, and then you got to wait it out and, and wait to see if someone gets hurt or wait to see if another team needs to upgrade a quarterback. Uh, so I think they're going to hold on to him until they're in a situation where they can get the best offer. And if not, you cut them like August 31st and say, okay, we couldn't find a trade partner. Bye. Yeah. 
and somebody will sign him. Like Carolina would probably jump at signing him, or or maybe even Seattle would jump at signing him. Who knows? Uh, somebody will do. You know, there'll be injuries that'll pop up. Um, by the way, the Debo Samuel thing. I mean, kind of came and went. I th- it's still out there. It's still an issue, I think. But that's worth noting too. Like they're not. This is not a you know. This is not a team that is in the clear per se. Like if you know if they got to deal with the Jimmy G stuff and they got to deal with Debo Samuel and they don't know what Trey Lance is, like you're kind of, I don't know. It's like, like this team could be great or this team could be, you know, boss, a, a seller dweller with the Seahawks for all we know. Well, it's funny you brought that up because Garoppolo was actually asked on a podcast before the draft, uh, you know, right when the Jimmy, right when the Debo stuff came out and the person was, I don't remember which podcast it was and I'll look it up. Um, but it, it, Garoppolo was basically asked, what would you think of being part of a Debo Samuel trade package? And he was like, oh, I never really thought of that. That Yeah, I'd love that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. See, I think I think hilarious to think about. I think Debo loves Jimmy G. Yeah, and I think Jimmy, like he came out and supported him a ton last year when people were like banging the table for Trey Lance. And I wonder if part of Debo's unhappiness is because the team is moving on from Jimmy G, who, like, you can knock him all you want. He's not an elite quarterback per se, but he delivers the ball where he's supposed to in that offense. And Debo Samuel flourished with Jimmy G in the backfield. Yeah, I mean, two NFC title games in four years, three years. Yeah. All right, let's take a quick break. And when we come back, we will rank Breach's cats next. Yes. JK, Breach, I don't think you actually have any cats, do you? I do not have any cats. They ran away. Just like to talk about cats a lot. All ran away. Couldn't yeah. keep them. Um, the Ravens are reportedly interested in Jarvis Landry. Let's go through some ideal landing spots for a couple of veteran wide receivers. We start with Landry. Do the Ravens make sense? A different team? What do you think of there, Breach? I mean, I do think the Ravens need to bring a veteran in. So whether that's Jarvis Langer or one of these other guys that we're going to name, um, the thing is they have so many receivers on the team, but none of them are any good. Right, right. <laughs> so like, it's really a weird situation. I, I think if you can get a veteran in there, though, you should do it. And so, uh, yeah, I think Jarvis Langer would make a lot of sense. He's a guy, you know, he wants to be a number one wide receiver. And he probably wasn't going to be that in Cleveland now that they have Amari Cooper. So it's like, oh, looking at all these rosters in the NFL, where would be the easiest place to go and kind of assert myself right away as the top guy? And it does feel like Baltimore is definitely on that list. I mean, Baltimore's top three receivers are Rashad Bateman, obviously not including Mark Andrews, but Rashad Bateman, Devin DuVarney, and James Prochet. That's not ideal. Tylen Wallace too. I really, I really like Tylen Wallace, and I really like Prochet. Um, but you know, Prochet six round pick in 2020, not necessarily somebody that's going to develop into a you know true number one or even a number two. Um, I always loved his game at SMU, and I hope he, I hope it works out. We'll see. Tylen Wallace tore his ACL before the draft, like late in the season, I think for Oklahoma State, ended up being a fourth round pick. He definitely has some promise. So I think there's a chance that those guys could work out. It's just you know you're asking a lot to, for. Those guys, to, although maybe the argument is with the way that this offense runs, you don't need to have a bunch of high-priced wide receivers, although they have invested a lot of draft picks in these wide receivers. Um, Landry would make a lot of sense. Just eat up underneath. You know, it's like the opposite of Hollywood Brown, like a guy who just gets open underneath and and gets, you know, causes Mark Andrews to, to you know, not deal with as many double teams. Yeah, I mean, I think that's a pretty good landing spot. What about... Uh, 
Odell Beckham. Ooh, you know where I want to see Odell end up? With Packers? the Packers. Oh. Yeah. I Wait. think the Packers make the <laughs> most sense. It's kind of the same thing as far as we're talking about the Ravens and you don't know who the best receiver is on the team. The Packers are kind of the same way. Look, Christian Watson might pan out, but we don't know that. We don't know. He could end up being horrible. And so right now, uh, you're looking at Randall Cobb. I, I mean, they signed Sammy Watkins. It just it feels like they need someone else there. And the Aaron Rodgers needs to have faith in someone. And I feel like bringing pretty, in they pretty like, obviously need somebody else there. Like it's like, I mean, they could make it work with Alan Lazard and Randall Cobb and Aaron Jones taking a ton of receiving duties. And you know, maybe another guy steps up, a younger guy. But I mean, it, it's it's just hard to. I mean, I, I'm surprised there's not more panic surrounding yeah. the Packers wide receiver situation. I just feel like because they have Aaron Rodgers, that's why you don't hear as much panic. If their quarterback was Geno Smith, people are like, oh, season's over. We're not going anywhere. And, and it was like if Aaron Rodgers was doing what he was doing last offseason and acting like he was angry and wanted to be away from the team and wasn't willing to, um, to play ball, I could see that working. The, you know, I mean, Landry could make sense for the Packers too, by the way. They're just an yeah. underneath guy who will probably develop a pretty quick rapport. The one issue with Beckham is we just don't know his time frame. Right. I mean, is it November? earlier i mean it's you're talking about a february injury and if it takes just six months you're already into august and that's, oh i mean i think it's pup or pup anything it would be stunning if he wasn't placed in the pup the physically well no right right and i'm saying if that's that's like a miracle recovery would be coming back late august and so i mean you're looking at him missing probably the first two or three games minimum yeah probably six games but I mean, that's, I mean, like if you're getting 11 games or yeah, 11 games out of Odell Beckham, that's not nothing to sneeze at. So yeah. Get him on the same page as Rogers. Like as soon as the, and you said Jarvis Landry would be a fit with the Packers. I think any of the guy, I didn't want to mention a guy with multiple teams or, or uh, give a sneak peek on who the next receiver we're going to talk about is. But I think that any of these guys would fit with the Packers or the Ravens. Yeah. Uh, Julio Jones, the next name. Julio Jones. Uh, by the way, Odell Beckham, just really quickly, Odell Beckham. Um, I'm not sure it works with the Rams. I mean, you already have Allen Robinson, Cooper Cup. There's not – there's only Van one football. Van yeah. Jefferson. I mean, the Allen Robinson signing sort of snuffed out the hope that Odell Beckham – They gave out. away his number? I mean, yeah. they're basically saying, bye, Odell. Thanks for that Super Bowl ring, but we're going to move on. Yeah. Um, all right, so what about Julio Jones? I'm going to go with the obvious one. It's the one that's been talked about a lot, and it is the Colts. Sure. Look, even if you think Jones is washed up, it's going to be you're going to reunite him with Matt Ryan. Or he had an insane career with Matt Ryan. Like those two were always on the same page. And I do feel like if anything can kind of reinvigorate him at this age, it is uh, reuniting with uh, the guy he spent almost ten years with. So uh, I like the Julio Jones and Matt Ryan combo. Plus, the Colts could use some help at receiver. And uh, you know, any I think again any. Jarvis Landry or Odell Beckham would be good with the Colts. Um, but I think Julio Jones makes the most sense because also Matt Ryan's learning a new offense. And I feel like he would love to have, Hey, look, there's Julio. Me and him are always on the same page. Uh, get him. So, and you know what? Julio might have a chip on his shoulder after getting cut by the Tennessee Titans. You get to play them twice. Oh, that's true. You might get the, uh, the old um, sort of reverse Andre Johnson factor. Right, right. It'd be just like yeah, we're not reverse. It'd be just like Andrew Johnson. Like Andrew Johnson didn't do a ton. I gotta, I gotta confirm this. I'm not crazy. Right? Didn't he just light up the Texans for like no, 
T.Y. Hilton always used to light up the Texans. No, 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 but Andre Johnson played one year. Oh, and in his Indy. one Cindy and Indy? Yeah, 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 yeah. I think um, – let me see if I can find it. Hold on. I'm pretty sure he – like, it's like he didn't do much with Indy, but he, like, absolutely – he, he had a massive game. He did, he did, right? Am I crazy? He had yeah. a 77-yard, two-touchdown game the first time and a 32-yard – Yeah. What am I thinking about? Two, I mean, the two I mean, the seventy-seven yard game yeah, was yeah, yeah, yeah. the second biggest of the season, and the two touchdown game was the only time the whole year he had multiple touchdowns in a game for the Colts. So, I mean, it's yeah, it's not crazy to say. Okay, um, maybe, who am I thinking? Of? Maybe it was Steve Smith. I'm thinking of who just was like, oh boy, <laughs> like Steve Smith of the Ravens just obliterated the Panthers. Um, there's somebody else. I'm just forgetting who it is. I'll think of it in a minute. Maybe, maybe it was him. He had that one big game anyway. Uh, didn't do a whole lot other than that. But I mean, maybe, maybe that's the Julio Jones move. Just light up Tennessee twice, and all of a sudden, like if you if you're Julio Jones, you light up Tennessee twice, and you beat the the Titans twice with the Colts, you probably won the division. So like that that is that in and of itself, that revenge angle might be worth signing Julio Jones to play with Matt Ryan. He and Michael Pittman are sort of similar style receivers. Um, just you know, big physical, gonna high point catch the ball, but nothing wrong with trying to put them both out there. Uh, I do, I think they like Ashton Doolin a lot, but I mean, you know, they use a second round pick on Alex Pierce, Kike Kute's there, Paris Campbell, who's the 2019 second rounder. Like Pittman, Pittman looks like a stud, but I think there's a lot of questions on the rest of that. Well, they, they have a lot of young guys. That's the other thing. So just bring in an established veteran to kind of who doesn't need to play every down. And I think he could work there. I'm with you. All right. Finally. Yes, finally. It's going to be a really short show. Short show. Short you know, sometimes speed. you need that, Brinson. Sometimes the listeners are thinking, you know what? 30 minutes is perfect. I don't need more of Breach and Brinson today. Yeah. I mean, watch. Something big will drop as soon as we get off. But um, <laughs> So we have found out some games on the NFL schedule. And I should point out that on Thursday night, we, of course, will have a podcast recapping the NFL schedule release. And there's a big Debo is that. Is there official programming stuff to mention, or should I just keep going? You would know better than me. Okay. I'm under the impression that there's a big schedule release show because I've been told to block off like four hours. Of your life? At the very least, we'll be here on Pick 6. Yes. At the very least, we'll be live on YouTube to discuss the schedule when it's released on Thursday. Um, at 10 p.m. Eastern, I believe, right? What? Yeah. It's released at 10 p.m. No, that, that's when our show is. Oh, right. Yes. Yes. Because you'll be doing eight hours of prior. four hours of schedule. I th- I'm assuming the schedule is released at 8 p.m. And we're going to go live two hours before and two hours afterwards, which makes total sense. Well, the thing is that at 6 p.m. Eastern, all the teams are allowed to release their home opener. So that gives you 32 games to talk about right off the bat. You know, uh, hey, the Browns haven't won an opener in 17 or 18 years or whatever it is. Or the Colts have lost like five or six straight. So you have the openers that get you there until eight. And then, boom, the schedule drops. Okay. Plus all the weeks that I'll be tracking throughout the day. Oh, you're going to be doing it? It's my specialty. Isn't it, though? Um, (laughs) So we found out on Monday morning, I believe Adam Schefter or somebody at ESPN tweeted it out. 
that, and the Bills confirmed it, of course, that we will be getting a week two Monday night football double header. Week two double header on ESPN and ABC. The catch here is that this is not your normal Monday night football double header that you've had in the past, where there's one game that starts at like seven and then the next game starts at 10. Instead, it's a doubleheader that's going to run somewhat concurrently, I believe, Breach, with the first game, Titans-Bills, scheduled to start at 7.15 Eastern p.m. 7.15 p.m. Eastern time, excuse me. And I, may, I might have had these flip, so let me know. And then Vikings-Eagles, scheduled to start at 8.30 p.m. Eastern time. I don't know what the NFL is doing. Look, I actually don't I mean, mind the NFL. Do. I, I don't mind the NFL doubleheader. The NFL's had Monday night doubleheaders in the opener uh, for – since like 2005, it's been a regular thing. They took the doubleheaders off the schedule last year. Um, so that year was the first time in a while. There was no Monday night doubleheader. And now they're bringing him back this year. And I, I think my, you know, look, there's been all this talk about why is ESPN cannibalizing itself with the, the Manning cast and taking viewers away from the main Monday night broadcast. And then now you have cannibalizing by the, second game taking viewers away from the first game like if bill's titans is close because that's the better game and it's the early game if that game is close in the fourth quarter is anybody in the world flipping over to watch eagles and vikings besides maybe eagles and vikings fans so you're not even paying attention to that game until bill's titans is over if i was gonna do a doubleheader and i had to do it this way i probably put the worst game first and put the juicier game uh on abc at 8 30 but maybe that's just me I'm a little surprised that they're not spreading out a little, like a, like a little bit more. I mean, I know 7:15 is 4:15 West Coast time, so that's kind of tough. But I mean, are we really, are we really at the point where people just won't figure out a way to watch how to watch the football if it's on early enough? Like, I don't feel like people on the West Coast are like, well, I can't have that football on my television while I'm working from home at four. You know, if they really want to watch it, I mean, it's not, you know, I mean, maybe I'm. I don't know. Am I wrong there? I feel like. Well, I mean, and, and one of the commenters, Sean, is mentioning right now they're actually making the doubleheader watchable for East Coasters because, you know, back in the days of the old doubleheader, it started at 7.15. The second game started at 10.15. But again, you're not watching both games. I understand that some people will watch both games and that you can watch both games. I would think most people would watch Bills Titans till it's over and then switch to Vikings Eagles. So, like, even though you have the you could theoretically watch both games, it just seems like uh just a little crazy crazy idea you know what though maybe the numbers will be a hit and uh i think the problem has been that the numbers the numbers have been so bad for the 10 p.m monday night football games and it feels like such a slog getting through it that, uh, particularly if the first game isn't good where you're like grinding through the first game you're halfway through and it's a kind of an ugly game you're like oh my god we have five and a half more hours of of you know, football to watch which you know we love football but I I kind of get behind this idea. If if only from a oh thank you we don't have to podcast at two a.m. on the Raiders and Ravens game uh, on the Monday night. Um, and one other interesting thing about this is that uh, I know there had been some speculation that the Bills might end up be playing in the Thursday night opener against the Rams. This doesn't necessarily eliminate them with this announcement, but I do not think they will be in the Thursday night opener against the Rams. Uh, now they have this Monday night game uh, over the past six years. Any team that has played in that opening Thursday game has never gotten the Monday game in week two. So I have to, th- and there's been, you, you, know, the double he- you do the double header now though. What? It's usually the double headers week one. 
no, the Thursday night opener, the Rams will host the Thursday night opener. Yeah. And right. Usually the Monday night doubleheader is week one, not week two. Right. This that is- doesn't have anything to do with what I'm saying. I'm me- saying the team that play the two teams that play in the Thursday night opener in week one have never been scheduled to play on a Monday night in week two. So it doesn't matter when the doubleheader is. That's just. No, no, I know, I know what you're saying, but I'm just saying there's now four teams instead of two teams involved. So like the percentage chance of it happening are a little bit higher, but. Well, no, because the, all four teams that play on Monday night aren't on the Rams schedule because there's only X amount of teams that could play in the opener. Right. I got you. Um, so do I don't you, think the bottom line, I don't think the bills will be in the, in the opener. Do you think, do you, that's, I, I think you're probably right. Do you think that's a, like, that's giving them a buy, like a bonus buy too early? Like, is that just a competitive advantage or what? Oh, I mean, if you're the Titans, you'd be irate because you, you get the bills to play on Thursday. And then instead of having 10 days off, they'd actually have 11 days yeah. off because you're going from Thursday to Monday. And you know, that, for Tennessee, that's one of your biggest games that you don't want to sure. lose. Uh, yeah, so that's another reason I'd be shocked because Tennessee would be irate if that happens. That's true. That's true. It'd be a pretty big competitive disadvantage. And yeah, all of a sudden, so the Bills could be, you know, you beat the Rams and then you beat the Titans and like you, you're, you know, okay, you know, you have ample rest time leading into that first week and then you have 11 days. It, it's a pretty, yeah, it'd be a pretty big advantage for the two big games on the Bills schedule. So that's probably a good uh, case. All right. Looking at the rest of the games that we know about. Chargers Chiefs in week two on Amazon Prime on a Thursday. Week four, Vikings Saints at London. Week five, Giants Packers at London. Week eight, Broncos Jaguars at London. Week 10, Seahawks Bucks in Germany. And week 11, 49ers Cardinals in Mexico. Of those six games, which one or maybe two, if you're so inclined to get us to 35 minutes, uh, intrigue you the most, Breach. Wait, am I allowed to include the, the Monday games that we just announced? Yeah. Wait, what is Debo? What do you think of the Eagles playing uh, against the Vikings on Monday night? Oh yeah, that's a big game for me since I'm leaving this podcast to solely focus on all things covered and and Pat being uh, the Vikings. Big game for me. Uh, no, it's good to start early in the season. I think both those teams are are getting a decent amount of buzz and see where we stand. Uh, too. So my boy, pull up your pants, take off the bra, and be a man. That's for you, Diva. <laughs> no comment. Um, I would say my favorite game that has been announced so far is probably Chargers Chiefs. Uh, it's Thursday night, which, you know, what that is what it is. But I do like that it's in prime time. You the standalone game, Justin Herbert versus Patrick Mahomes. I think it's interesting that it's the first ex- Amazon exclusive game as part of their Thursday night package that they so now. This is the first Al Michaels Kirk Herbstreit game. Right, right. And so there's a fascinating dynamic there. Actually, you know, I think a lot of fans will say, oh, we don't watch for the broadcasters. But I think it will be interesting to see how Amazon does things, whether it's their pregame show, their halftime show, how uh, Kirk and and Al Michaels kind of work together. Um, And so not only do you have two really, really good teams playing each other, but you also have that dynamic. So I think that Thursday night game, out of the ones that have been announced so far, uh, definitely seems like the most interesting to me. Yeah, I think that's a good call. It's um, somebody in the comments too. Sean uh, pointed out, I'm having the NFL or the NFL is forcing good teams to play overseas now. Yeah, that's a massive difference from what they've done in the past. And not like, you know, the Jaguars just haven't been able to get good, but they should be better. And you do have Russell Wilson against Trevor Lawrence now in week eight. Like that's a really good London game. 
I mean, well, the crazy thing, though, is we still have that streak of we've never had two teams with a winning record face each other in London. And just looking at the schedule, it's still possible that that streak stays alive. You know, we don't know Viking Saints. Who knows with the Saints with Jameis coming back? We don't know if the Giants are going to be any good. Sure, Trevor Lawrence is exciting with Trevor Lawrence versus Russell Wilson. But, you know, is Jacksonville going to have a winning record by week eight? Probably not. (laughs) And one of the... 49ers or Cardinals could easily have a losing record by week 11. Trey Lance versus Kyler Murray still holding out. Versus Colt McCoy, yeah. Um, <laughs> Viking Saints week four might be the one that gets it there. Or it's like, yeah. both, is it is it a, a winning record or a, a 500 or better record? Both teams have a winning record. Okay. So you need three and one for both teams to start. That seems like it's asking a lot. And we already know the Vikings have at least that game against the Eagles in week two. So if they lose that, they can't lose uh yeah so the, so, the, so the giants need to give somehow start uh three and one to, to yes break the record that's right doesn't look good for these seahawks box would be should be if the seahawks are six and four or ten weeks in or no, i guess it'd be like five and three no five and four Pete carroll that's, deserves a 10-year extension that's right if that happens um I'm kind of, I, I, I thought one thing that was interesting was that the uh, Rams apparently petitioned the NFL to play the Packers in London if the alternative was going to be to play the Packers in Green Bay later in the season. They offered this, hey, look, we'll go play them in London. Just don't put us in. I mean, I think it's a good move. And the NFL didn't take him up on the offer. I know. And you could have Rams. don't want to go to London. Right. Rams Packers would have been a massive hit. Now that also you probably could get some pushback from Fox. It's like, hey, 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 hey. Yeah. We're not we already lost Aikman and Buck. Uh, Rams Packers. Oh, uh, and if people are listening to this on Tuesday morning, there will already be more games announced from the schedule because uh CBS will be announcing a game or two on CBS Morning's morning show on Tuesday morning. Very exciting. So it's almost like they're making this maybe a more of a slow drip than they had in years past. So, you know, where it's not going to be, you know, before they tried to keep it like buttoned up, don't let the leaks come out. Like, I think the schedule show on Thursday night is going to be, it's really more about filling in the cracks. Right. Kind of, um, you know, like analyzing who has a favorite. And by the way, the NFL obviously already knows the schedule because these games are coming out. Like the schedule is done. Everyone knows what it is at the NFL. Everyone at NFL.com and NFL network is already working on their Thursday evening, like content that's going to drop. Whereas it used to be, and good for them for doing this. It used to be, they would find out when we found out basically. Right. They have to like spin up like 10 revenge games or whatever it is. Like, you know, here's our favorite. Da, 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 da. And now it's like, you know, the haze in the barn by Wednesday evening, more than likely. Yeah. And, you know, it's good that the NFL has embraced this because like, look, people love these schedule leaks. And, and the NFL was like, well, why would we only do this on one day when we can just spread it out? Because last year was the first time they really started to embrace that when they had uh, CBS and Fox were allowed to announce their week one schedules on Thursday morning. So the same day the schedule is supposed to come out. And now we're talking about this has been milked out almost over two weeks because you had the Chiefs Chargers game announced during the first round of the draft. 
And then you had the international games announced last Wednesday. And now here we are getting the ESPN doubleheader on Monday. CBS announces games on Tuesday. Fox is going to announce a game or two on Wednesday. And then we get the Thursday at 6 p.m. when each team is allowed to announce their home opener. And then the entire schedule comes out at 8 if it hasn't all leaked up by then. Which it more likely will have. All right. Sort of starting to hit the slow period here, Breach. I don't even need to know the Bengals schedule because I know they're going to win all our games. So it doesn't matter when or where they play them. 17 and 0 to start. Not a bad. Not 17 a bad. and 0. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. We will be back, of course, tomorrow with more content. Oh, actually, well, you know what? Before we go, I meant to, uh, yeah, good call. Dominic in the chat caught that. I, I saw it and erased the notification. James Bradbury released by the Giants, according to reports. Not entirely shocking. There had been basically a um, a uh, sort of fait accompli type of situation that Bradbury was going to be released, but then Joe Shane, the GM for the Giants, kept saying, well, we don't know. He's definitely gone or not. Um, now they have, of course, are down to a uh, situation where it looks like you got a Dory Jackson there. They drafted Cordell Flott, one of my favorite names from the draft, from the from the draft, uh, third round pick, and then uh, Aaron Robinson. I don't think I'm missing anybody else, right? They're not. Well, I mean, I'm not missing some big name that they added, am I? And they just spent the last two months trying to trade him. They couldn't find a trade partner, and they're like, "Hey, man, we're gonna save ten million dollars by dumping you or trading you, and one of them's gonna happen." And you know what? Though good on the Giants gives them plenty of time to latch on with someone, and there are a lot of defensive back teams that need defensive backs um so i do not think he'll be unemployed for very long yeah i would tend to agree with that he will get scooped up good player just wasn't really worth their contract all right that's it for the show today thanks for watching thanks for listening for breach i'm brinson we will talk to you guys tomorrow tomorrow